0: We're doing this series, and today's the last week, on the Holy Spirit, and we believe very strongly and foundationally in the Trinity, and God is three, and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and God is one, and all three of those are fully God, and together they are fully God, and it is a grand mystery of our faith, Then one of those things that we cannot explain. Uh, math says it's not true, uh, and God seems to be bigger than your Uh, Mathematics, uh, which is always a blessing. Uh, So, today we're going to talk about that. Next week we're starting our summer series on the book of Psalms. Uh, I think it's going to be really, really great. I'm excited to be able to talk through that. We've got different people preaching, uh, and it it should be a great, great uh, beginning next week. when I, uh, when we started, like this a few years ago, we had a lot of people visiting and people that didn't really know what we were about and stuff like that. And I had a guy walk up to me, this is a few years in uh, as a church, so a few years ago now. And someone walked up to me and said, uh, and so what's your stance on the Westminster confession? And right away I knew this guy was in the wrong church. <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, it, this has happened, that one's just my funniest one, but it happens a lot. Uh, where people's first question is doctrine, uh, where people's first question is, uh, where do you stand on Ephesians 6.22, right? And you're like, well, I don't, because, you know, I'm pretty sure there isn't one, but whatever. Uh, you know, but you just kind of, uh, there's a question, you know, you get a question from certain people, and you're like, we're not on like the same wavelength at all. I, the Bible talks about Christians and churches not being known for their doctrine, but being known for their love. Not that doctrine isn't important. I love doctrine. I have a strong opinion about the Westminster Confession and that whole category of theology. But uh, when it comes to a church, the question is, and the question should be, and the question is biblically defined as, do these people love each other and it's not even it's not even do these people love the world it's do these people love each other and you've probably been in churches one of my favorite experiences as a kid i was like a late high schooler and my church did one of those big meetings where people said nasty things to each other and then we made two churches it was a church plant all right uh it was more like a church splat just like all of a sudden there you know like there we go and uh it, it was one of uh it's one of my favorites in the same way that watching like a horror movie is one of your favorite things to do right you're like this is terrible oh my gosh it's really happened like you know like you're in that thing and people uh sometimes react to things or experience pain in their lives I talk to people who don't uh like church and a lot of times the God that they describe is not the God that I believe in either. Uh, They have experiences, some of you and many of us have had experiences where a church or a leader in a church hurt us, intentionally or unintentionally. It doesn't make it, uh, like it's not unimportant. It is real and it is important. But uh, the church and the job of the church is to bear witness to the love of God by loving each other. And the Bible actually talks about that in terms of saying that the unity of the church, so the unity being the church's ability and practice in loving each other, is actually the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of another one of those mysteries. When there is great schisms or great division within Christians, the Holy Spirit cannot operate to the same degree that it can when the Christians are loving each other. Most of the time our solution to that is to become homogeneous unit churches, right? Like this is the churches for people who live in this neighborhood, who vote for this political party, who have children at this age, who like this kind of music and a sermon that's this long, right? And then down the street there's another church that has a different kind of branding, another church has a different kind. The greater challenge is to bring in a church of people who have a different viewpoints on things but still love each other, and the greater challenge becomes a greater witness. There are people in this church that cannot believe you voted for who you be- voted for. <laughs> uh, they cannot believe you didn't vote, and you can't believe they did and didn't write in the queen, right? Like, I like to bring that example up because I don't get a vote anywhere on this planet, but uh, Canada doesn't allow votes for people who aren't residents, so I, I'm... I believe in democracy, but apparently I don't participate. So um, I believe it in the same way I believe in dieting. So um, (laughs) you all laughing with donuts on your lips there. All right, so (laughs) it is always the life of the church that best expresses who God is, much more than the doctrine of the church. To be really good at just one thing, we would prefer to be really good at loving each other than really good at doctrine, than really good at uh, like setting parameters. We would prefer to be really good at loving each other. In the scripture, there's a guy named Paul who was the like uh, expansion leader of the very early church, and he wrote uh, five letters to a church in Corinth. Uh, The church in Corinth, two of them are in the Bible. The church in Corinth needed five letters Uh, like every no matter how bad your past church experience might have been the Corinth church was worse all right there was uh, divisions over wealth there was divisions over uh, like who could eat and who could like communion there was they actually thought because we're drinking uh, you know when you do communion you have a little piece of bread and a little cup it would be much more holy if you had a big cup and so they were taking selfies and getting a little bit tipsy during communion because holy spirit right and and, uh, and so Paul had to come in and say, you're kind of taking this great thing and going the wrong direction with it. Uh, you don't want to be doing that. Uh, it took five letters <laughs> over and over. And they wouldn't write emails. They couldn't call. So letters were how they did things. And his letters were also long. If you read through the New Testament, there's a lot of very small books. First and Second Corinthians are very long books. And so we're going to talk in Corinthians today because Paul talks about that expression of unity and the relationship that the Holy Spirit has in the expression of unity in the local church. Uh, so, so you understand the context. 1 Corinthians, the first letter that's in the scripture, um, is actually chapter 12 and chapter 14 are about spiritual gifts, uh, which we're going to talk about a lot. Chapter 13 is called, like famously called the love chapter. It's the one that's read at weddings, all right? Like love is patient, love is kind, love never fails, those kinds of things where you're setting up these unrealistic expectations for the young couple at the front. (laughs) But uh, the important thing in that, and I think that's on purpose, because he's talking about gifts, and what he's really talking about is loving each other. And when you're understanding loving each other, the gifts part works out. All right, what you're good at and what somebody else in the room is good at works together in any relationship when the relationship is based on love. Then the things that you're good at and the things that they're good at tend to work together in order to move you both to a place that's better. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a smartphone, you can open up the Version Bible app, and there's an event down at the bottom, and the girl puts up an event every week, and there's a bunch of scriptures highlighted there. I'm going to go through the whole chapter, but only some of the scriptures that we're going to focus on are going to be on the PowerPoint. Um, so this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church that's trying its hardest, but it lives in a very... Secular, uh, a part of town, or part—not part part of town. The town is very secular, and uh, just a lot of people coming and going, and so they're trying to be Christians, and they're probably the most radically conservative people around. Even though to us they are um, not. This is verse one. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. This is actually a command in the Scripture. Being uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit is not where we want you to be. And this is kind of two parts to this. Knowing what the gifts of the Spirit are and knowing what your gifts of the Spirit are. To be uninformed on that is going to limit your ability to participate in the life of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. We want you to be informed. We want you to know. So we do sermon series. So we suggest books to read. So we suggest ways to pray and and ways, uh, different scriptures to read, so that you can be informed on how the Holy Spirit works and how the Holy Spirit works in you. So I do not want you to be uninformed. Then he goes on, and one of these words I can't say right, so we're going to go right by it. Uh, You know that when you are pagans, somehow or other, You were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And then he starts talking about gifts, and this will be on the screen. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We'll stay here for a second. If you see, there's a pattern here, right? There are different, there are different, there are different, which is a common way of writing uh, for Paul when he was writing to people in the early first century or the very, very early church. Uh, And so when he's writing, he says there are different kinds of gifts, there are different kinds of service, there are different kinds of working. What he's saying is, People are good at different things, and there's a variety at how good they are at the different things. There are some killer preachers, and there are some terrible preachers, but if that's their gift and that's what God's called them to, you are to do it, right? Now, if you're terrible, 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 you might want to wonder, maybe that's not your gift, right? Like if you're, some people have a gift of working with children, some are terrible with children. And so maybe it's like, maybe, that's, maybe it's not just you have a small gift, maybe you've got no gift, right? Like in that area. Uh, but there is this different kinds of gifts, different, 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 different distribution, different dynamic, different um, size and different effect and different impact in the world around you. Yet... There is something the same about all of them. The same spirit distributes them. So the same Holy Spirit that made someone awesome at something up front that's super shiny and sexy and you're like, that's just so killer. The same Holy Spirit works and gifts the person who works behind the scenes with a gift of mercy or a gift of serving or a gift of hospitality. It's the same spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same, like in all of it, it's the same spirit of God at work. And the point of all those spiritual gifts is this verse 7. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What that means is when you use your gift, it's actually a manifestation of the Spirit. Which is kind of a huge Bible word for saying it's like evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you are doing the things that God has gifted you in, it's actually the Holy Spirit showing himself through using your gifts for the common good what this means is like this needs this needs to be very direct there are no gifts that are meant to serve the people with other gifts so there isn't like a hierarchy of gifts where uh and this is the way some churches work pastor has these dynamic gifts we all work to support pastor right that isn't what the scripture teaches the scripture teaches that the pastor is serving some common good and we are all serving the same common good and as a community or as a church we're all moving forward into this thing if you're in, ever in a situation or in a relationship where you think your gifts are meant to serve the other people in that relationship you can end up in a in a situation that's imbalanced at best abusive at worst where you start to wonder, well, I'm only here so that that person can shine, or so that that person not shine, because some gifts are shiny, some aren't, and according to our culture. But uh, what we're—if you're serving someone else instead of serving the common good, then you're mismanifesting. That word has never been said. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> you are trying to have a manifestation of the spirit trying to have an experience of god working through you but you're kind of off just a little bit and if you're off just a little bit after a long distance you end up off by a lot Uh, then he goes through this great example that i'm going to read through it says to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom so some people are able to say things that are wise to another a message of knowledge so some people are smart uh, by means of the same spirit. And so if you get your report card and your parents are like, what the heck? you be like, spiritual gifts, Mom. I'm just, I don't have that one. <laughs> that will not work for my kids because I know the theology behind it. Um, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. Knowing people's motivations to another, different kinds of tongues or languages, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues or languages. And all these are the work of the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Let me read that last thing again. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. What that means is the God of the universe had all of these gifts, and decided to give you yours. Now some of us might say, well, I didn't necessarily want this one. <laughs> but a faith in God would say that God must know something about me that maybe I don't even believe about myself. Because I seem to be gifted in this area and God has, in his wisdom, which would be infinite wisdom, and in his knowledge, which is infinite knowledge, has decided you right here in this time and in this place and in this church i'm going to give this to you and when you do this people will acknowledge god and glorify god because it will bear evidence to the working of the holy spirit in the world through you just as one body though one has many parts but all its parts form one body. There's a metaphor here. So it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, which were the major social barriers in that culture. And we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then he kind of has this hilarious example now if the foot should say because i'm not a hand i do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body i don't know how the foot says anything but it does and if the ear should say because i'm not an eye i don't belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body and then it gets more ridiculous if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing be and aren't you envisioning that right now Kind of a weird body that always has dirt like, in its eye because it's just rolling around. And in my mind, it's huge, which is awkward. This is my friend. He's an eye. No, not like a personality eye. He's literally an eye. <sighs> but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. And if they were all where, one part, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts but one body the eye can't say to the hand i don't need you and the head can't say to the feet i don't need you on the contrary those parts of the body that seems to be weaker are indispensable and he continues with this metaphor in this example talking about it but the important part in the middle of all of this is to notice that god has created you as a part of the body and as a specific part of the body and you might think well i'm a small part of the body Or I'm an unimportant part of the body. I'm like, not the part of the body that people really show off or celebrate. If I was suddenly missing, they could probably just go on without me. But there's no part of the body that says we reject that other part of the body. And you know this just from if you've ever twisted your ankle and you're limping, then your other knee starts hurting because you're making up for it. And in a body, that's the kind of thing that happens is when one is hurting, we care for each other. When one celebrates, we all celebrate. If you're playing a sport and your foot kicks a ball into the goal and you win, you don't wait while your foot celebrates. Usually your mouth celebrates, right? And your hands celebrate. You wave around, you know, and you run and get excited. When the body is connected, it operates very, very well. If we could ever imagine, and this is definitely a comedic part of the Bible, where the body says, you know what, we're tired with everyone else, we're just going off as our own parts and we're going to go do our own things, that, that's a ridiculous statement. And so, according to the Scripture, people who say, I don't need other Christians, it's just me and God, I'm spiritual, not religious, the Bible says, oh, you're ridiculous. I have a funny metaphor about you. <laughs> You're like an eyeball rolling around saying there's dirt in my eye and you can't do anything about it because you don't have eyelashes and you thought eyelashes weren't important. (laughs) When (laughs) you're allowed to laugh, like it's a funny part of the Bible where Paul's trying to, like he's exasperated with people he's writing to. You guys are being ridiculous. There's also the way the grove fits into the larger body. We're a church that behaves in a certain way that participates in different things in our community. And that doesn't mean that we're separate from the other churches in our community. We're a part of the larger body. And so there's other churches in town that sing different songs or serve in different ways or, God forbid, think different things about the Westminster Confession. And we participate because... That was a joke back to the beginning, but you were busy with your donut. You're like, I don't know, what's he talking about? (laughs) But when, when we participate we understand we're gifted like this you're gifted like that that maybe there's other churches that are very large and maybe there's other churches that are very small and god never says small parts of the body are bad and large parts of the body are good he he would say that all those parts work together and they're gifted in the way that i'm gifting them and then it works in a global sense where the church in albany or the church in the western united states or the church in the whole western world seems to be gifted in these ways, seems to have these manifestations of the Spirit. And maybe the church in South America or the church in Eastern Asia is different. And that doesn't make one better or one worse. And that's a difficult thing for us to think because we like to think that our way is somehow better. Our way is better for us because God has gifted us to follow Jesus in this way. God has gifted them to follow Jesus and manifest the Spirit in different gifts and different talents and different abilities. And it's actually a really beautiful thing when the church and the body is seen as much larger than it actually is. It's also a very complicated thing. If you've ever like gone to watch your kids or your grandkids and they play sports, There's usually around middle school age kids whose bodies have gotten larger than the others. And it's difficult for them to run up and down the field. It's like a baby giraffe and it's very exciting and there's limbs doing this, right? But you know that their body has just grown and they're trying to figure out what to do with all that. And it's complicated. And instead of wondering, oh my gosh, I hope they learn to run better, we glorify God. And we're like, look, that's what the church looks like. <laughs> that's, it should be like a logo of a church, just like a gif of a giraffe, baby giraffe running. But um, please don't. That should not have come out of my mouth. When, I know people are going to start texting me right now, baby giraffes running. Please don't. All right. <laughs> but when we start to uh, expect like a non-complicated body of Christ, then we're missing the metaphor that God used because our bodies are insanely complicated. There's so many different systems that need to work together. There's so much that needs to go right every day, every heartbeat, every inch of blood pumping around, every muscular move. All of it needs to operate, and it's very complicated, and sometimes things go off the rails for sometimes reasons you don't even know, and we need to get back on track that happens in the global church? that happens in the churches in our city? that happens in this local church? that happens in your small group? and that happens in your friendships. where God brought you together and being in relationship is suddenly complicated and you don't know why and it's suddenly more difficult than you expected it to be and there's a temptation to say, well, I'm an eyeball, I don't need the rest of you. You just go off and do your own thing. And the Bible is saying that we are so much better when we are together working for the common good. This is how this passage ends in verse uh, 26 and 27. It just says plainly what I've been saying. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it now you are the body of christ and each one of you is a part of it i'm going to say that again looking at you now you are the body of christ and each one of you is a part of it in a global historical universal way god has saved you if you're a follower of jesus i know some of us aren't if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are an essential part of the body of Christ just as much as someone like Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or my boy Joel Osteen. <laughs> just as much the person who does the offering, the person who works in the nursery, the person who helps people park cars. Every one of those God considers part of the same body and you are a part of the body of Christ, each one of you, gifted purposefully and massively so that you can achieve what God designed you to achieve. The temptation is to say, well, I wish God, like I want to be that. Like I wish God gifted me over there. And the ridiculousness of that is A small part of the body saying, oh, like your baby toe saying, oh, I really want to listen to music. That's just not going to happen. And if you tried it, it would be ridiculous. And so when we start having those desires, God actually wants to help us out of those desires and into being the best of what God has gifted us to be that we possibly can be. This should be wildly freeing. Because you might think, my gifts are awfully tiny. And God says, yep. But sometimes the very detailed things are the things that are most essential to make things happen. If our nursery workers, who if you don't have a baby, you don't know who the nursery workers are today, right? But if they didn't show, or they were terrible, you would definitely know. You would definitely know because this pastor goes way past when it says zero on the clock. (laughs) And the babies are the ones who say something. You all are patient. Uh, The church and the demonstration of the church completely depends on you doing your parts. Not to support the parts that are showy or the parts that we see, but so that all the parts of the body can move towards something that is In the common good, as we serve each other and move forward into the destiny that God has for us. This is why, like, we do things like this summer test drive because it is so essential for the mission of this church that every single person participates according to their giftedness. It is a failure of the church if 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work, and it's not a failure of the church organizationally. It's a failure of the church in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Meaning we're limiting the work of God among us if you're trying to avoid participating. If you have an excuse, I'm too young, I'm too busy, I'm too poorly gifted, I'm too whatever it is that you say. Your excuse isn't to me or to this church. Your excuse is to the Holy Spirit who responds with a ridiculous metaphor mocking your excuses. (laughs) The, The unity of the church is the manifestation of the Spirit which depends on you participating according to your giftedness here in this body, in our city, in our world. The second part to this is that the love that you express is meant to be practical. Like, God gives a very small amount of people a gift of using words. This is why most of us are terrified of things like public speaking, because words are not a gift that we want or use or even desire in, a, in our culture, in our world, right? We can appreciate that. There's weeks where I wish I didn't have it. <laughs> but when we are loving each other, words aren't the thing that you need to use, practical expressions of your gifts are the manifestation of the spirit when you do things in love and so the response to this is kind of twofold the response is first look at yourself and say what am I gifted in like what can I do and and you can if you don't know ask around or try things out there's no like lifetime commitments you know like you can be like hey I'm terrible at this everybody is noticing that I need to switch because I'm obviously not gifted here know it and use your gifts but also use your gifts in a practical sense to express love to people it's what i put as the next steps in your bulletin it's an easy thing for you to do even this week to be able to use something that you're good at to work for the common good to express your love for other people let me pray for us let's stand and i'll pray for us Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in us in a particularly amazing way. And I know that in order for that prayer to be answered, we need to participate. And so I pray that you would make manifest your spirit through the outworking of the gifts of the people of this church. Thank you that every single follower of Jesus is a massively important part of the global and historical movement. Of God, the body of Christ. We a lot of times trick ourselves into thinking that we're just a small little person in a small little town, in a small little corner of this country, in a small out of the way part of the world, and an unremarkable time in history. And yet you see us as essential for what you want to do in this time and in this place. We are grateful for the faith you have in us. We are intimidated by the task ahead, and yet we are excited that the filling of the Spirit in our souls and in our hearts will move us forward into the future that you have for us as individuals, as a church, as a city, and as a world. May your Spirit move today. Amen.